Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Future Tech Podcast. Today I have on the line... Chris Garner. He is evangelist for Oyster. He wears so many hats at this company, and I'm very excited to talk with you. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Juliet. Hi. Pleased to have have you on the show. It's really pleased to meet you. It's a pleasure to meet you as well. So you are evangelist for Oyster. So let's go into what that means, what hats you wear, and then what is Oyster? Yeah, so... I mean, Oyster Protocol is really a company that's trying to create a new internet economy. And obviously, you know, the way users consume content on the internet, the way that's done at the moment is um, the revenue stream is currently via advertising. And obviously, you know, both you and I know advertising is quite annoying. So what Oyster Protocol is trying to do is create a new way for website publishers to generate revenue online. Um, so what what does that look oh, like? But, well, yeah, so the way the revenue is generated is we're also offering um, decentralized storage. And right now, you know, Dropbox have just done their IPO um, for billions of dollars, and that's centralized storage. So decentralized storage is where it's completely anonymous. It's on the blockchain, and it's encrypted. You get a private key when you upload data. And obviously enterprise companies, you know, right now, $300 billion a year is um, is kind of, what's the word, in um, stolen in intellectual property. So it's a really significant number. 
Um, we want to offer enterprise storage solutions uh, that are decentralized. Got it. Well, sort of the way the money flows to the ecosystem is people will pay for decentralized storage, and they will pay in our token, which is called Pearl, and then half of that is split on the IOTA Tangle. And um, we'll get quite deep into the technology shortly, but IOTA Tangle is quite an interesting solution to the blockchain. It's kind of, um, how can I describe it? It's a very fast protocol, and it also means that transaction fees are very small, so we can store the data there. And then with one line of code for the website publisher, once that's installed, uh, when users go to those websites, they're just, instead of um, seeing ads, they're consenting to see an ad-free internet, and we'll use a small part of their um, GPU and their CPU to support this IOTA Tangle. So it's a really interesting paradigm, a way of solving um, both decentralized storage and also creating a new revenue stream for website publishers that doesn't rely on advertising, which again means that they can create better content, have unbiased uh, opinion, and also the end user can have a, a much better experience as well without ads too. Exactly. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So what is your your new what do your new ads look like if they're not really ads? <laughs> well no, they're not there's no ads at all, as I say. So imagine, you know, just in the same way you go to Forbes' website now and if you've got ad block on, you know, so you get a pop up that says, Hey, we in order to for this website to generate revenue we need to show you ads, you know, turn that block off. And obviously that's annoying as well. <laughs> you have to then disable the ad block and then uh, you're able to see Forbes and you're still being served ads. So with us, we'll show some kind of uh, pop-up consent, and um, once that's consent from the end user, the experience will be completely ad-free. The, the website won't have to show any ads. The content can be um, created completely um, focused around the content or whatever they're trying to show. So, I mean, it's got so many different use cases for things like um, streaming sites, journalist sites, I mean, if you think about Wikipedia in its own self, I mean, that is reliant on donations in order for it to be ad-free. You know, website, website publishers, they really need money to um, support their infrastructure. I think the facts are about only 3% of websites globally generate more than $100 a month from advertising. So, it's, you know, it's a real challenge for website publishers to generate any income and thus, you know, we're seeing a lot of issues with the quality of publishing, with the dominance of Facebook and Google. It's a really significant problem. So we believe that if the only way that you can consume content online currently is having an ad experience, then the internet economy is broken. And people like Sir Tim Berners-Lee, you know, the founder of the internet, didn't really create it so that the only way that you can um, consume content was to see ads. It was a much more expansive and visionary um, ideology he had. And we hope that we can, you know, take back some of that attention and really focus on what we feel that the Internet is all about. Exactly. I'm hearing a lot of passion for the core values of the founding of the Internet and the core values that hold your company together. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've been working in advertising for over 20 years, you know, pioneered quite a few digital startups over the time. You know, and what I've seen is that the way that data is being used today is all pervasive. You know, people don't really know what they're consenting to, and then people don't know really how they're being manipulated online with 
both advertising and also social media. So, you know, the options right now, there's, very, there's a few big companies that are sort of DMOs in this area, Google, Facebook, they control 90% of all digital advertising revenue. So they are the gatekeepers of the internet. And um, yeah, it's an interesting thing that's going on, you know, in the marketplace right now with the way that data is being used. Absolutely. And being able to break that up is going to allow people to make more personal and informed decisions because they'll have access to all the information they need. Well, yeah. I mean, if you want to go onto a news site right now like The Guardian or even the BBC or TechCrunch, you know, the way that those sites are still being produced is advertising revenue. So the headlines are sometimes clickbaiting, what they write about is sometimes biased, you know. The whole way that journalism is paid for is by advertising, and we want to offer a different solution for people who want to create content or want to stream or want to do different um, types of websites online so that they don't have to rely on these annoying adverts, which are flashy and bloopy. They take up your GPU and your CPU anyway, so it's not like the end user is going to have any worse experience. And we want to point out, you know, Oyster Protocol, we're not mining on anyone's machine. That's not how the technology works at all. It's a really unique um, methodology or protocol whereby the user's just using that small piece of GPU to do a proof of work execution on the I.O. to Tangle. And again, we can sort of go a little bit deeper on what a Tangle is and, and, the, and the tech, but we really feel that both these three people, the end user, the website publisher, and people who want to store encrypted data in a decentralized manner are going to benefit hugely from our protocol. And again, it's open source, so it's freely available. People can take the code from GitHub, they can build on top of it and make their own, uh, their own white label solutions for these things too. Wonderful. So why don't you go ahead and, and give us a deep dive on you know, what Tangle is and how that all works. Well, look, I mean, from my understanding, and again, I come in from an advertising background, but when someone uploads the data into um, the decentralized storage, it's split up into lots of little chunks, yeah? And then that's then distributed across something called IOTA, which is the Internet of Things, uh, and this is a tangle. It's not a blockchain. And so these different web nodes will store these little chunks, and they will have, be hashed together with this encryption key. So that data is there stored, and obviously there's a, a payment to IOTA to store it there, and that's what part of the Perl token that the, uh, the data storage user pays for. So let's say one Perl is 64 gigabytes of data. I think that's the minimum it'll be for 12 months. We'll split that half of Perl with IOTA, and we'll use the other half of Perl to incentivize the website owners to put the code on their site because that's what they'll learn, you know. Then when the user goes and consents to um, this ad free experience, then they're actually using that GPU to do the proof of work so that the website owner can find the pearl, and that's how they will get paid. So even the way it works, you know, with ad impressions now, where there's maybe six or seven ads, and they're trying to get you through multiple page impressions, you know, the way that, that and the website owner can build the site now is, it's more about looking after the end user, keeping them on the site with interesting content. 
because the longer they're on the site, the more likelihood that they can find the pearl and earn greater revenue from that experience. The sites which have large dwell times are going to do better with the protocol. Got it. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, it's quite interesting to know as well that end users, about 11% of end users are using Adblock currently, and that's about 650 million people globally. So, I mean, that's just showing the prevalence it is now. The rate of increase in Adblock is growing faster than the rate of increasing new members to Facebook. So you can clearly see this. <laughs> there's an empathic feeling towards adverts um, overall. So, and Adblock is part of the problem in some way as well because what that does is actually remove the opportunity for a website publisher to generate any revenue. Uh, and thus, the, it's sort of exacerbating the problem. Um, you know, what we want to do is solve that by giving this alternative way. And just similarly, again, on, on the data storage side, you know, like I said, it's not a small amount of money that's being lost in the U.S. alone to intellectual property theft and data leaking. I mean, companies like Equifax, I think last year, lost hundreds of millions of data, uh, of people's personal data, credit data as well. Um, LinkedIn, not so long ago, lost data. Dropbox has lost um, somewhere in the region of 80 million um, profiles of data as well. So centralized storage is a is a well it's a it's a threat for hackers because of its low vector attack velocity. So all ultimately decentralized storage encrypted for companies when they're cross border, they need to be thinking about that so that they can protect their intellectual property as well. I mean that is a massive unknown because obviously companies that leak data but if it's personally identified well data, they have a liberty to tell the government. But if it's information like about their latest design for an electronic car or something like that, they're not no liberty to say when they've been hacked. So there's very little information about who has been hacked in that area. But I'm sure that there are, there are multiple uh, manufacturers that have, and, uh, you know, and there's lots of undercurrents of car companies that have been hacked in, in that way. As well. Oh, definitely. And so this system you're saying is, is more secure? Yes, so you don't get a login or a password. You just upload your data file and you get an encrypted key. Um, similar to if you use um, one of the MyEther wallets where there's no login or password, you just get an encrypted key for everything you use. And then obviously if you lose that, you're, you're stuck. But that's that a single point of failure. Got it. Yeah, I feel I feel like that's one of the things that stresses me about, you know, crypto wallets or different blockchain things is in order to be so secure, you're also screwed if you forget your login or you lose yes. your key or you know, are there any good solutions in your mind for recovery well, of such accounts? Well, I think that third party solutions that people use to store their own private keys on a on a, a personal device. I'm not familiar with that. Um, it is definitely interesting how you might store um, encrypted keys that have a long string of data together. And you know, there there are, as I say, there are devices out there that can do that. I'm not going to mention the names. I mean, there's a few different ones. I mean. Um, that's probably the best way with still a personal device. 
it still can be stolen and lost, but, you know, I guess that in, with anything, there is always going to be a, some point of failure, and it's usually the human end of it. Um, so, yeah, that, that's what, I think that's human nature, really. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about Oyster Shell. It's the next generation of supercomputer. Okay. Yeah, what is all this about? Well, that's a great question, because if you think about it, whenever time we had the IOTA Tangle and all the um, web publishers with the one line of code on the protocol, what we're doing is effectively creating, you know, a lot of connected devices across the world. So whereas Perl is completely pegged to the price of data, you know, like I said, the minimum would be would be one Perl equals 64 gigabytes of data for a year. What actually this network can do the topology can be used as a communication tool for decentralized applications. So, for example, if you think about it, we use this word, we're coming from centralized solutions and communications, like how I'm talking to you now via telephone. Um, then you've got decentralized communications, and then you've got distributed mesh nets of communications. And so with every device within certain, every device is a certain way of connecting with another via Wi-Fi and via that mesh net using shells you can start to communicate in a completely anonymous encrypted way you know similar to um, some of the encrypted tools now on tour um, but that's what we're building which will well effectively it can undercut all the ISPs in terms of connecting end-to-end -end users and peer-to-peer -peer mesh net could actually mean that the internet could become much more affordable to end users, and people could actually um, earn income for or earn shell for adding their device to this protocol, this mesh net. It's a, it's a very um, far-reaching solution to a problem about connectivity globally, particularly in um, countries where governments are, let's say, monitoring conversation and have had certainly suppressed information before, you know, like in Egypt where they turned the internet off during um, during some of the protests there and that people had to rely on, I think, Twitter and some kind of mesh net there to actually start to communicate. So these ISPs and net neutrality, you know, this is something that um, Shell circumvents and make sure that the internet and the way that we can communicate stays in the hands of people with connected devices rather than being controlled by large corporations and ISPs again. And, you know, we see that net neutrality is under attack in the U.S. in the U.S. courts, even as recently as this February. Um, and that's all about throttling the internet for those that pay, can't afford to pay for it. Uh, and so we hopeful that Shell offers a solution to that problem over time. Absolutely. I mean, that is that is the way of the future and something that we're going to keep bumping up against as things grow. Yeah, and my understanding as well is this happened in Mexico City using, um, if you think of a high-density city like Mexico, lots of people with mobile phones decided to connect to each other via um, different protocols. They started to use that for messaging, you know, because it was still on uh, because it was still power, I think, you know, Carlos Slim, certainly the big mobile magnet of South America, you know, can shut that down or can try and shut these things down. We're trying to build 
uh, open source protocols that people can use that once they're out and we've released them in mainnet, you know, they'll grow organically. The use cases of how website publishers will use Perl, so how decentralized storage companies will use we use Perl and how um, messaging services and decentralized applications, we use Shell, you know, they're, they're unimaginable at this stage. Um, so we're very excited. Um, we've, we're also bringing on board beta testers um, currently to test the protocol. And, and, and um, you know, once we release the mainnet, which is be the end of this month, you know, we'll start to be doing real use cases to show how revenue can be generated in this way. It's really exciting. The first time for a long time that website publishers can generate revenue without worrying about ad, ad block, CPM rates, all of those other things that come along with it. So it's, um, yeah, we're really excited. And we've already had uh, well close to a million different transactions of data being uploaded to the IOT handle, which is pretty unique as well. So that's stored data, totally encrypted, totally stored anonymously with private key. So yeah, we're we've seen the speed of uptake grow, you know, significantly as well. That's I mean that's so great and game changing for a lot of a lot of different people and industries. I was just gonna say, um you have a you have a very interactive blog as well going on your website. And there's a lot of things coming up on the horizon. You guys are looking for beta testers. You know, where where are you yeah. Where, where are you guys going? Well, in, in relation to that, we put a shout out to um, website owners and mobile app owners who are interested in the protocol, who would like to experiment with the early adoption phase of mainnet. We're asking for those sites to have um, over 100,000 unique visitors a month, and that's the main um, Objective in terms of or the main application um, requirement. So we're hopeful that sites um, will come forward, and we've had a good response already. Um, and we, as I say, end of April will be main net, whereby we'll be putting this protocol on websites and experimenting, generating revenue streams for them. And uh, and and yeah, we'll be out. We'll see who else takes it organically as well. Yeah, absolutely. So. Where can our listeners find find out even more information and follow your blog? What is the best way for them to keep up with you? Yes. Okay. So definitely the website is a good hub of learning, oysterprotocol.com. There's some good explainer videos. We have a super active um, Reddit um, community. We have a super active Telegram community. You can find us on Twitter. I mean, all of those are from, you can access from oysterprotocol.com. And, you know, we want to be very transparent in the way we operate as a business. We operate completely remotely. And so we're very mindful of all the people that are contributing in testing and also the people that are asking questions about the protocol because no one else out there is doing what we do. There are, there are similar uh, people doing decentralized storage. Um, like Cycoin or Storage, but uh, and there are people doing you know some kind of interesting ad stuff on the blockchain, like Brave.com and Kind Ads. But none of them are trying to a not serve ads at all and stop annoying people and bringing the two marketplaces together. So it's a it's a really unique 
protocol in that way. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see how it will build once Mainnet is out as well. No, I can I can hear the excitement in your voice and and all of the things that you're saying to me are uh, are making sense as a consumer because you know no one likes ads. <laughs> so if we can make yeah, that better I mean, for for everybody, then great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's, it's it's ironic having worked in the industry for so long as well. You know, I've known having served hundreds of millions of ads to people, how they can you know sort of sway decisions. And I just think that. Some of the stuff that we're seeing now, particularly with political um, political usage of social media for advertising, I think, yeah, you know, maybe something needs to be done and regulated there before the scrutinies on cryptocurrencies as much in addition. Yeah, 100%. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us and, and really enlightening us on this subject. No worries. Uh, pleasure to be on the show. And thanks for having us. Of course, of course. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. This has been Juliet Lamar with Future Tech Podcast. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.